Detroit Pistons general manager Troy Weaver apparently under, you know, behind the scenes without any of us knowing sneakily this past offseason signed a contract extension, which was just reported a few days ago. How do we feel about that? Does Troy Weaver deserve a contract extension? We'll talk about that in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons. Your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. And today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So before we get into Troy Weaver's contract extension, I have a few quality of life things to keep you guys updated on. So, um, obviously, Christmas is this weekend. I hope you guys have an amazing Christmas. Enjoy it with your families. Um, we will be posting an episode Saturday morning, which is Christmas Eve. Um, if you guys have any free time in the morning, you guys, you know, just chilling, trying to get warmed up for, for, for Christmas. You guys wrapping a few more presents. You guys will have an episode to listen to. So, um, by no live, you guys probably will be busy. So, I want to say Merry Christmas to you guys. Hopefully, you guys have a great one. Um, within this episode, obviously, we'll talk about Weaver's extension i also want to talk about the back-to-back the pistons just played and then i want to talk about the pistons defense and is there any way for it to get better so that's what i have planned out for the podcast today and then also like i said we're starting off every podcast with a question my next question for you is how long of a streak do you believe jalen Duran will have what's his longest streak you think he'll have of double double games let me know that in the comment section down below or over on twitter at kuka hill all right so apparently which was reported a few days ago, Troy Weaver has signed a contract extension with the Detroit Pistons. And apparently this happened over the offseason without any of us knowing. Now, the Chicago Bulls, the the same kind of thing with Billy Donovan, their head coach, over the offseason, apparently they signed him to a contract extension, just never reported it, never leaked it out, no one ever knew. And it came out during the season. Same kind of thing that happened with uh, the Detroit Pistons and Troy Weaver here. Um, Do I believe he deserves it? Um, I don't think this is going to be a very long segment because I think the answer is 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 very clearly yes. I think he, you know, I think Weaver's done a fine job. Do I think he's been absolutely perfect? No, but do I think he's done a really good job? Yes. You guys have to remember when he first took over this team, man. They were in salary cap hell. Uh, they were coming off of, you know, they had Blake Griffin on the roster, big contract. They had Derrick Rose. They had you know, um, Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown. They had all kinds of uh, Chris, Christian Wood. They had a bunch of guys on this team that, you know, a few guys that were salary cap, you know, you know, casualties kind of thing. Um, and then a few other guys that had big questions about. And he was able to flip all of that in a very short period of time. Like it's only, he took over this team in 2020. He, in a very short amount of time, he took this team from having no salary cap and being a salary cap hell to immediately flipping it around and now they're about to have probably the most salary cap in the NBA this offseason. They have gotten multiple top picks. And I, I just feel like he's kept them. He, he set them up fine for the future. 
flexibility wise. I feel like they're very flexible outside the fact that they don't have a first round pick to trade. I think that right there is something that they're going to try to address this season because you desperately want to have that for a team that may be in the market for a big time player in the offseason when they ask out and whenever, maybe not this offseason, but next season, et cetera. They want to have a first round pick to play around with. So I think I think there is a good chance you'll see that somehow get into the works either this season or in the offseason. But either way, I feel like the team is relatively flexible. Um, and they have a decent young core. Do I think they have like the best young core in the NBA? No, I don't. I don't think they're like the best young core ever. But uh, do they have a decent young core? Do they have a better one than they had a few years ago? Yeah. And I, I think the the draft. I mean, obviously he was able to get Kate Cunningham, and and that one was kind of gifted to him. He had the number one overall pick. We all believed Cade was number one. I think we all still would say Cade is number one uh, pick, even though he is out for this season. He's not going to get to play his second season. He's probably going to get mentioned as a little bit of an afterthought amongst the national media going to next season because he didn't play this year. They're going to forget about him. They're not going to be talked about. They're going to say other guys should have been number one. But that's fine. He'll come back next season and let everybody know why he was number one uh, and why he's the face of this franchise. Uh, But he was kind of gifted that one. And I think the biggest conversation, the biggest heated debate is going to be based off of the 2020 draft, how Troy Weaver did in that draft. And look, at the very least, he hit on a role player at the least, at the very least, a role player in Isaiah Stewart even despite Sadiq Bey's, you know, struggles and me questioning his future with the Pistons, I think even still he's going to be at least a role player in the NBA somewhere, whether it's with the Pistons or somewhere. And then I feel like the guy with the highest ceiling to really make something is Killian, and Killian's showing progression right now. So, you know, I don't think that draft class was, like, perfect or anything. Again, Tyrese Halliburton just came out a few days ago and said he thought he was going to the Pistons. Um, would you have rather have Halliburton? I think everybody obviously would be like, yeah, Halliburton's pretty damn good. But do I think it was a horrific draft class? No. Do I think he's had any terrible, just off-the-wall misses? No. Um, and, and even this past draft class, what he was able to do with Jeremy Grant and and, and to flip a 25 first-round pick for the Milwaukee Bucks into Jalen Duran, who they were thinking about getting at five. They got him at 13, and they got Jane Ivey at five. All that stuff, how he's been able to you know, maneuver the roster, get the players he wants while maintaining flexibility moving forward uh, for the team. I think he's done a really good job. Um, Now, I will say this, and I've said this for, you know, quite a while. He hasn't had to make any, like, crippling moves or decisions yet. This offseason is when he's going to have to make those. This offseason, he's going to have to make some decisions that may sink this team moving forward or may take this team to the next step moving forward. This offseason is really the first test I feel like for Troy Weaver all the other ones the Pistons were in a rebuild if he happened to miss yeah we talk about it but it's a rebuild you know as long as he got K with number one overall pick once we got to this point this offseason he could go get whoever he wants to try pair with them etc etc he he could probably get away with missing some during the rebuild even though he hasn't as much this offseason he's gonna have to hit he's gonna have to hit on his free agent signings if they make a trade he's gonna have to hit on those trades he's gonna have to you know does he want convert a lot of the salary cap and tie themselves to guys this year and moving forward? Does he want to try to keep some kind of flexibility moving forward in future free agencies or, you know, all kinds of stuff. There's so much riding on this upcoming offseason for the Pistons where this is going to be his true test. But does he deserve a contract extension? Absolutely. I think he's done a fine job um, with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, but like I said, this offseason and, to be honest, who he picks to be the Pistons' next head coach, those two things – are will be his biggest test as a Piston uh, GM. He hasn't had to do that yet, but once he reaches there, I think then you'll be able to evaluate him a little bit more um, and, and, and kind of get a little bit more of a sense of what's going on. 
but so far, man, he's, he, I think he's done a really good job. Um, at the very least, not messing things up and, you know, giving him the most credit possible, really getting the most out of things. He got three first round picks in the 2020 draft. He was able to get Cade. He was able to get two top picks in the 2022 draft. Those guys might both make all rookie first team. Like, I think he's done a fine job. And again, I'm, I'm going to say it one more time. The flexibility with the salary cap really is a big deal too, especially considering where the Pistons are at. So yeah, I, I think he's done a good job. and I think he deserves a contract extension. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Should Troy Weaver have gotten a contract extension? Oh, and I also should say to you guys, we didn't get any details on his extension. I, I don't think a lot of GMs, uh, they really get their contracts leaked out, the details of it. So we don't know how long it was, how much he's getting paid, et cetera, et cetera. We don't know any of that. Um, but anyways, let me know what you guys think about that. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, I want to talk about this back-to-back that the Pistons just played against the Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers that really did not go the Pistons' way at all. I want to talk about what happened in these games when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about a message from the NHTSA. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the laws in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone around you can tell. So what makes you think the law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a UI, paid for by the NHTSA. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, so a little bit later in the podcast, the third segment, we're going to talk about the Pistons defense. And, you know, I was I was thinking about making this the second segment, um, but the back-to-back is really recent. And we didn't have a podcast yesterday because the, the game against the Sixers was just so bad. I had so many of you guys come tweet at me and DM me saying, dude, don't even record a podcast. We don't even want to hear anything. We like, there's nothing we want to hear. Just take the night off. And you know, that's not, that's not the only reason why I took it. I took that day off, but also because listen, I didn't have much to say to you guys after that game. That game was just, it was horrific on all fronts for the Detroit Pistons. So let's just talk about it. So, the Pistons started off losing to the Utah Jazz, 126-111, on Tuesday. They didn't follow it up on Wednesday, losing to the Philadelphia 76ers, 113-93. The Sixers didn't even play their A game. I don't think they even played their B game. They played pretty bad themselves, and they still beat the Pistons by 20, and they should have beat the Pistons by 40, if you want to be honest. The fact that they only lost by 20 is crazy, because the, the Pistons played outright terrible the entire basketball game. The entire basketball game. It was it was horrific. Within this Sixers game, I don't feel like the Pistons ran any type of offense throughout the entire game. Throughout the entire game. The, the, multiple possessions came down to Isaiah Stewart isoing against Joel Embiid. 
multiple isolate or most multiple possessions ended up with Killian Hayes had an ISO wing against Matisse Thibel. The offense, there was no offense ran for the Detroit Pistons in this game. It was resembled in their score. They only scored 93 points in this game. They shot 39% from the field, 26% from deep. They didn't make any free throws. And at one point in the second quarter, they had more turnovers than they did field goals made. And look, I I can give them somewhat of a pass because the second of a back-to-back, you know, they get some of a pass with that. But just how bad they played, I don't know if you can just completely, you know, say that that's what that's what it was and we just don't think about it. It, it was it was horrific. Boyan only got three shots up. He had 10 points though. He drew nine free throws. But he only got three shots up. Stu had five turnovers himself. Jane Ivey had three turnovers himself. Kevin Knox, four turnovers himself. They they were turning the ball over like it was crazy. Hamadou Diallo was inserted to the rotation in this game for Corey Joseph. He played 12 minutes, and his minutes were flat-out putrid. Flat-out putrid. His, the very first play from Hamadou Diallo in the, in, in, the, in the game, he turned the ball over on the inbound, just throwing a lazy pass to Killian Hayes, and it got intercepted by Matisse Thibault, and he got lit. Kevin Knox, a few minutes later, did the exact same thing. Jane Ivey did the exact same thing in the first quarter. That's that's lack of focus. That's lack of 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 lack of care for how 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 precious the basketball is. How how precious it is to hold on to the basketball and not turn it over. There's no care whatsoever by the Pistons throughout this game against the 76ers. It, it was it was just horrific. There was no offense ran at all. It was a bunch of freelancing, a lot of late shot clock shooting, and that's why you have. Jane Ivey shooting 7 of 18. That's why you have Killian Hayes shooting 6 of 15. That's why you have Boyan only getting three shots up. That's why you have Sadiq Bey, 4 of 10 from the floor. That's why you have Marvin Bagley, 1 of 5. I feel like almost all of Marvin Bagley's five shots came in ISO against Marvin or against Joel Embiid. The Pistons couldn't get into any sets. It didn't, it didn't even feel like they were trying to get into any sets. It, it was... It, it honestly was easily the most putrid performance I've seen from them offensively all season. All season. And I don't know how or why it happened like that. There was multiple possessions when they tried getting to an offense and guys were looking at each other with their hands up, not knowing what they were running. It, 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 it was easily the most frustrating watch, I think, for me. And I, I you know, you guys would have to bring a different game, a really good argument for how another game could be more frustrating than what we watched against the Philadelphia 76ers. And again, like I said, the Sixers didn't even play a good game. The the Sixers shot 44% from the field, 29% from deep. They didn't play a good game. Embiid had 22 points of 6 of 16 shooting. James Harden had 15 of 6 of 14 shooting. It wasn't like the, the Sixers went out there and played their A game and was just dominating. No, the Pistons just played that bad to where another team's bad game, it was good enough to beat them by 20 points. It's tough. That, 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 that's a putrid performance. It was, it's, it's rough. Absolutely rough. And this, is, this goes back to, you know, like I said, with the putrid offense, the Pistons need to, their offense has to get more creative, man. 
They have to get more creative. They have to get into their sets. They have to run some plays. They have to have some kind of go-to within their offense, whether it's high pick and roll over and over, whether it's, um, I don't know, four out, one in. Like, they need to have, like, a like a, a system that they, they, they can rely on to where things break down. There's something they can rely on. Because there's too many times throughout the year where if a set breaks down, I kid you guys, I, I kid you not, man, there's about three to five times a game. I'm sure you guys see it. There's about three to five times a game, either Killian Hayes or Jane Ivey. They try running a set at the top of the key. Some players don't know what they're running. So they're stuck up there at the top of the key just sitting there like this. And then at like 11 second mark, you see them just be like, and wave wave a big man up. And they just say, screw it. I guess I'll run a pick and roll. And then half the time when they do that pick and roll, the floor is not balanced. You don't have the right type of spacing. You know, the screen's not setting it to the right way. It's just discombobulated. It feels like the team doesn't have an offensive system that they or that they can confidently rely on. And if they do, some of the players feel like they don't even know it. At least it looks like it. They don't even know it. I'd love to be able to be in the press conferences. I'd love to be able to be there and ask Dwayne Casey, hey, uh, what's the offensive system when plays break down? Is there an offensive system? What is it? Do you feel like some players are are struggling to to grasp the offensive system you guys have in place? Do you feel like they do be confused on the floor sometimes? Do you like do you notice that? Is that something you guys are working on? Like, et cetera, et cetera. I wish I could ask that question. I wish some of the beat writers or the people in there would ask these questions because it's something that I think all of us are noticing and we need some answers to. It, it's it's rough and it hurts their defense too. We'll talk about their defense later, but bad offense directly translates to bad defense. Bad offense, turning the ball over, easy buckets for their opponent. Bad offense, guys start to hang their head. They don't want to give as much effort. And now you get easy buckets for the other team on defense. It's it's It goes back and forth. And it feels like the Pistons can never, if their offense is on one night, defense is putrid. If their defense is on one night, their offense is putrid, and that hurts their defense. And most nights, both of them are off. So, Again, man, look, this is why I didn't want to record a podcast right after the Sixers game because it would have been just me this entire podcast saying what I said in this segment for 30 minutes because that's how frustrated I was watching this game against the Sixers, man. It does nothing. The discombobulation and, and lack of offensive creativity or lack of understanding of what your offensive set is, it hurts teams specifically that are young because they don't have the experience to know what we should do after that. They don't have experience. They, they're very uh, wet, they're wet behind the ears, man. They don't know what to do. And they make a lot of mistakes. So they don't have something to rely on and fall back on. They fall back on bad habits. They're forced into tough situations, and usually they can't get themselves out of it. Like, for example, I, look, these two guys are the ones I feel like it hurts the most. Jane Ivey and Killian Hayes. Both these guys looked like they were going to be having good games. First half, throughout the game, they had really good bright spots, really good moments. But the efficiency was way down because there was way too many possessions when they were tossed to a grenade and was like, here, save us. Six seconds left, do something. And that's not, that's not, it's just, it's not fair to them. And it's, 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 it's not sustainable. It's not something they can do. It's not something they can do. So yeah, I ranted a little bit for this, this, this segment because of how bad the offense is. It's just something that I can't stand watching, man. It, it, it it makes it hard to watch and it, it irks my nerves so much. To see, to see young players, you know, and I'm not just blaming Dwayne Casey. That's not all I'm doing. I'm not sitting here saying it's all Dwayne Casey's fault. I'm just simply bringing up the point, man. Either there is a lack of offensive system 
or the players don't completely understand said offensive system that they have that they can rely on when things break down. It happens way too often, and players look confused on the court way too often. That, that it's just it's that's just the truth. So I don't know, man. It's it's a struggle sometimes. And this last game against the Sixers was the worst struggle of the entire year. Again, it was the second of a back-to-back. Maybe that had a lot to do with it. I'm sure it had a little bit to do with it. So they get a little bit of a pass. But my God, that was putrid. I, my, I don't know if a pa- if the second of a back-to-back can excuse that bad of play. But whatever. Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter if you guys agree with me, if you guys felt the same way about what you're seeing from the Pistons offense. Let me know again, comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, I want to talk about the Pistons defense, which is not probably, it is a bigger problem than the Pistons offense. We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball to the NBA to college sports, everything, they've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action today. And if you head over to betonline.net and you click on that basketball tab, you will see they got the favorites for MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Who's the Most... Who has the highest odds to win the championship this year? Who has the highest odds to finish with the worst record this year? They have all of that over at bandline.net. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about their trends and action today. Bandline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. All right, so I know I just sat there shredding the Pistons offense for the entire second segment. But outside that last Sixers game, their defense is probably an even bigger issue than than their offense some games. Because the Pistons have some high-scoring offenses. Some offensive games, I should say. And a lot of that has to do with their bench being the number one bench in the the league since like November 6th, I think it was. Since Alec Burks got back healthy, Marvin Bagley got healthy, they took Sadiq Bey, put him on the bench. Their bench has been really damn good. And they've relied a ton on Alec Burks' shot creation ability, his ability to draw fouls and create for himself, which, again, like go back to that second segment with the offense. If you have a player who's capable of thriving, a veteran, Alec Burks is a veteran, he's not a young guy, he's experienced, he knows how to handle those situations. And if he's really good at shot creation, if that's what he does, He'll thrive in an offense like this. You just give him the ball and say, hey, go get a bucket, and Alec Burks can do that. So he's been thriving with that, with that increased role. That has been a big plus for the Pistons and has been a big reason why they've had some really big offensive games. Also, Kevin Knox shooting 50% from deep over the last, like, 10 games. That has a lot to do with it, too, um, with the, the, the attention. Alec Burks is drawing. He's kicking out to Kevin Knox. He's hitting shots. So their bench has a lot to do with why they've had some big offensive explosions so far this season. But defensively, getting back to the defense, it's been pretty bad. It's been pretty bad specifically the last few games of the season. Read, listen to these point totals. The Sixers, again, playing like their C, D game, 113. The Utah Jazz, 126. Laurie Markin dropped four, damn near 40. 
the Brooklyn Nets 124. Kyrie and KD outscored the Pistons them by themselves in the second half. KD and Kyrie outscored the entire Piston team in the second half themselves. Themselves. KD had 43. Kyrie had 38. Okay. That's just three games ago. The Kings, 122. The Hornets, they went to OT and we had a 141-134 basketball game. I thought we were might I thought we might be breaking the record for most points scored in a game. Held by the Pistons back in like what 80 something uh against the Denver Nuggets. Then you got the Lakers, December 11th, 124. Grizzlies, 114. The last time the Detroit Pistons held a team to under 110 points was December 7th against the New Orleans Pelicans. Their defense has been putrid. Really bad. So the question is, how can they how can they how how can they improve it? And just for example, just to even buffer this even more, I should say, the Pistons ranked 29th in the entire NBA in defensive efficiency, uh defensive rating. 28th is the Houston Rockets. They're more than 2 points better than the Pistons. So 29th and 30th are the San Antonio Spurs, damn near tied at 117.4. The next closest team is more than two points away. There's a bigger difference between the Pistons, the 29th team and the 28th team, which is the Pistons. Between There's a more difference between them and the 28th and 19th team in the NBA in defense defensive rating. That's not good. That's not good. So how can they get better? How can they improve their defense? Well, I think they've actually done a pretty good job in this department. They limit turnovers. You got to limit turnovers so they don't get out in transition as much. I actually think the Pistons have done a decent job. They're 12th in the NBA in turnovers a game. Um, 12th least turnovers in in the league uh, per game. I thought they've done a good job with that. So I thought that should help their defense. But it doesn't matter because I think this is something we're just going to have to accept from the Pistons this season. Now, obviously, someone like myself who has to record a podcast daily and cover each game, Obviously, I'm going to still talk about it. But it's something I think we might just need to accept. The team's not going to be good at defense this year. Spoiler alert, they don't have good defenders. I don't know if this is like a shocking tell to all you guys. I don't know if some of you guys didn't think, you know, that you guys thought we had some great defenders on this team. They don't. They don't have any good defenders. Their best defenders are third-year players, Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart. Their third best defender, Jalen Duran, 19-year rookie. 19-year-old rookie. They don't have good defenders. And their worst defenders are at the, the position you could you could least afford to have your worst defenders at. And that's your wing positions. This league is a wing. It's a it's a wing league. That's how you win in the league now. Every team has like two, three, four, five damn near wings that can put the ball on the ground and score, that can catch and shoot, that can attack closeouts, that can dominate in transition. So the the position that you really cannot afford to have terrible defenders at is the wing position, and the Pistons have that. Boyan's out there guarding threes. He was out there guarding Laurie Markin, and he dropped damn near 40 on us. Sadiq Bey is not a very good defender. Alec Burks, not a very good defender. Kevin Knox, I give him credit. He tries the hardest out of all the wings, and I think he, he might be so far this season maybe a net neutral. I don't think he's been a poor defender, but he's not a good defender. I think at the most he's been a net neutral. Diallo's not a good defender. Again, Boyan is guarding threes. It's And Jane Ivey is an awful defender. Now, he's a rookie, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. 
a lot of Jane Ivy. How bad? And I've seen some people talk about this nationally. I've seen some articles written about this. Jane Ivy, yes, rookies struggle on defense. Like for example, Jalen Duran, he's a rookie. He struggles on defense. He does some good rotations at the rim. He can test shots at the rim. He blocks some shots. He does vertical sometimes, and he shows potential that hey, he's a rookie. He makes some rookie mistakes, but you can see how he becomes a, a better defender with more experience, et cetera, et cetera. He gets lost sometimes in 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 in, in transition. Sometimes he runs the wrong drop coverage or, or or wrong pick and roll coverage. Sometimes he runs twitch and then drop. Sometimes he messes up the drop coverage in general. But he has some plays that let you know, okay, we, he just needs experience. Jane Ivey, he's just been a flat-out awful defender. And the hope is, obviously, with more experience, he gets better. But some rookies don't get better. Some guys don't get better defensively. And that's a concern I have with Ivey. We'll see how it plays out. I'm not writing the book down on it at all. It's, it's very early in his career, obviously. But it is probably my biggest concern with Ivy because some of his defensive miscues are alarming, are really big red flags. Um, and that's that's your team right there. That's your whole rotation. That's your whole rotation right there. That's made of maybe two above average defenders and Killian and Stu, a 19-year-old rookie who's probably your second best or third best defender, and then everyone else can't guard. So I don't know what the solution – I don't think there is a solution. I think this is a year the Pistons are just going to be trash in defense. There's nothing they can really do. There's no defensive system that Dwayne Casey can do. They can't play zone. They can't play man. They can't play drop. They can't play switch. They can't hedge. They can't ice. They can't do any of the coverages because they just don't have the personnel to do any of it. So, hey, this is one of those seasons where you, I think you just go ahead and say, look, we're going to have to keep up scoring-wise. We're going to have to score 120 a game to stay in these games. Because defensively, we're probably not going to get many stops. It's not going to happen. And I think that's what you've seen a lot of this season. Like, like I said, the game against Charlotte. The Pistons had to drop 141 to win that game, that game. Against the Lakers when they allowed 124, the Pistons had 117. The Nets, they had 124. The Pistons had 121. The Kings had 122. The Pistons had 113. Against the Jazz, the Jazz had 126. The Pistons had 111. Go even farther back. The Mavericks game, Killing Hayes game. Mavs had 125, Pistons had 131. Grizzlies had 122, Pistons had 112. Like, that's how they're going to stay in the games. They're not going to win close, uh, low-scoring games. It's not going to happen. You're not going to see those. Either the Pistons are keeping up in the high-scoring game or they're getting blown out in the high-scoring game. I feel like that's basically what's going to happen. It, one of those two. So that's where I'm at with the defense. I've seen a lot of people talking about the defense. That's just where I'm at. There's no hope for it. It's not going to get better unless they make trades and somehow get bring in defenders. But they just don't have defenders. This is what the team's going to be all year. It is what it is. So let me know what you guys think about that. Think about the defense. Is there any hope for the defense? Have you guys just accepted this is what's going to be all year? Again, let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today, though. Thank you guys for tuning in for today's episode of Lockdown Pistons Podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of every single day. Go ahead and go to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. There will be an episode tomorrow for Saturday, Christmas Eve. If you guys have some time in the morning, you guys wrapping presents, uh, getting your last-minute wrapping presents in, uh, go ahead and listen to the podcast. Um, if not, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys enjoy Christmas, the weekend. Have an incredible time with your family and friends. Um, I hope you guys get some cool presents from, you know, if you're younger, I hope you get some cool presents from your parents. I hope, hey, you parents out there, you older ones, hopefully you guys get some cool presents from your kids. Your kids should be taking care of you. So, is what it is. I'll see you guys then. Enjoy your Christmases. Um, have a great day. Go Pistons. I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody.